0: You're listening to Artemis Projects podcast. I'm sitting in a small studio apartment in the heart of Belgrade, where I'm about to have a conversation with Gordana Žikić. She is a founder and facilitator of Belgrade Artist in Residency program. In this podcast, we talk about the process of setting up an artist in residency, how it all started, what were some of the inspirations behind it, and what does she like the most about running it. Gordana is also a talented artist herself, so in the later part of this podcast we speak about her practice, which, as you will find out, is inspired by shamanism and reflects on the role of the artist in the society. Jordan,
1: hi and thank you for covering my little studio apartment here. When and how did you start Belgrade Artist in Residence and why did you have a desire to do it?
2: Well, we started it first in 2012. Since we were living in such a close society for like since 90s, it was a really great opportunity in a way to bring world to us. 2012 I made a website and then like, promoted it on the other platforms and it took about a year for the first artist to come so we had like 2013 the first artist.
1: And first artist that came were from
2: which country? Uh, she was from Sweden, uh, from Gothenburg and uh, the next one was from United States So like uh, it was really interesting, like that first one that came from Gothenburg, it wasn't related, but the next year at the same time we had another artist from Gothenburg. So it seems like Gothenburg is popular. Okay, so people from Gothenburg seem to like to come
1: come to Belgrade. And what was some of the groundwork, some of the administration work that you had to do in order to set this up?
2: I had to register a non-profit organization. And then like to organize everything, to arrange for the accommodation and to prepare everything to have set it up for Mm -hmm. the artists.
1: And accommodation wise, did you have to rent some additional spaces or you used the spaces that you already had?
2: At first I just had one apartment that I was using, like it was my mom's. And then I was just using that one at first. We didn't have that many artists coming. First year it was only five artists. And then like uh, for several years, it was only five artists a year. So we were just using one apartment. This is the first year that we actually have more artists that are coming at the same time. So then like we are also renting apartment. Yeah, mm-hmm. so we have three at a time. Yeah.
1: yeah, and besides having three artists at a time who have their own spaces to live in, you also have
2: a studio that you provide yes. for them. So yeah. there is an extra space that yes, they yes, can yes.
1: use to make
2: work. Yes, until last summer we had one space that was in center of Belgrade. It was an apartment that was kind of like a multi-purpose space. We were using it for exhibitions and studios and like workshops and like different things. It was really great location but then like contract expired and then like we had to search for another. So it's kind of like in transition we have another studio which is in Zemun by the river. So it's amazing location. It's not center of Belgrade but it's still like a walking distance. So basically you find
1: spaces for exhibitions based on particular yes. project yeah, that yeah. somebody has in mind.
2: We have, for example, these pop-up exhibitions. For example, yesterday we had for an Earth Day pop-up exhibitions in one of the artists that is living in Belgrade, she's from London, uh, she has this really amazing apartment in the center of the city, so we used her apartment for like this mm-hmm. event exhibition. It was small, but it was still really nice.
1: Mm. And then sometimes you also work with uh, places like Magazine which is yes. another really interesting art organization here that provides spaces for exhibitions. Yeah.
2: Yeah so like we were collaborating on different different artists who are coming here they have different projects so in that sense like we're collaborating with different spaces who are who have like much bigger space for example magazine it's an artist run organization and it used to be storage for some factory and now it's used for an art purposes uh, so they have a huge space for a gallery and it can be used for exhibitions so we had several artists having an exhibition there
1: You're quite well linked to the art community in Belgrade. Is that something that increased since you have started running residency? Yeah,
2: I think so, maybe. I mean, like, usually you know the best people who are you studying with and then, like, later you meet everybody at exhibitions. It's pretty much like the artist community who is attending the exhibitions. (laughs) So we all pretty much know each other. But then since I was collaborating with different people for different projects, then I think it increased over time. Because uh, also when some artists are coming, if they have specific interests, then I would introduce them to, so I can search for some, like you can reach anyone here. So it's, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's really easy.
1: And this opportunity to connect with the art scene and people in the art scene, is that one of the things that you like the most about running this residency program?
2: Yes, I I like the connections that are happening within the artist community here, and then like also the collaborations that are opening with artists that are coming here. So like the exchange of the ideas and like exchange in, in all kinds of possible collaborations. That's always the best.
1: To this date, you had close to 40 residents coming through and they came from a variety of countries. You already mentioned quite a lot of people from Sweden. There was somebody mm-hmm. from U.S. What are some of the
2: projects that you remember? It's been so many and everybody are so different and really interesting. It's been really amazing experience to have such many artists. And then some of them were coming for shorter stays and they just did like research for their future projects or networking. But some of them were staying longer, or and then they were making new artworks and they were like also organizing workshops for local artists so for example we had like that first artist that came here maria uh, from sweden she was organizing Shibori uh, shiburi technique that's a textile dyeing technique so that was an amazing workshop and then also like the next artist that was here like it's elizabeth she's from united states she was uh, also using wool felting that she's using in her own art she was organizing a workshop for a local artist And then Emma Jane from UK, she was organizing a pinhole camera workshop. So it's really like a wide range of different things. And uh, in
1: 2016, you have also developed an exchange residency program with artists' residency in Gothenburg, Sweden?
2: Mm-hmm. Um, as I already said, we had two artists visiting. And then after that, uh, one of them invited me to be a guest lecturer in a Domen school. That's a preparatory school in Gothenburg. So I was a guest lecturer for a week, uh, 2015. And then she introduced me to one of the international coordinators in this concept artist in residency. So after like two years of emails <laughs> preparing the exchange, we finally made it happen. So then like uh, the idea is to have an exchange that one artist from Sweden will come to Belgrade for two months and one artist from Belgrade will go to Sweden for two months.
1: So you basically have artists all year long coming is there ever a time within the year where it's a bit of a lowdown or is it pretty much yeah i
2: think like winter time people are not really happy to come like january and february even swedish
1: people it's warmer here than in Sweden. true
2: (laughs) yeah but i think like when people see it's snowing here like for example this year january february we didn't have anyone
1: But is the live scene, um, is the art scene in Belgrade still quite vibrant, I imagine, in winter? Even maybe more so than in, you know, peak of summer?
2: Yeah, true. I mean, like, uh, it's a peak of the art season, (laughs) but then people are not so active, so, like, there there are a lot of openings, but people are not out so much. So spring is the best time (laughs) to come, Mm. spring or, like, autumn.
1: Since we started talking about Belgrade art scene, I'd love to hear your thoughts about the scene. What changes have you observed in the last 10 years or so, and where do you anticipate it heading?
2: Well, as I already said, like during the 90s we were so close and that really influenced culture in every worst possible way. And then it took really a lot of years to see any change happening. So, for example, I, I believe that like last year, it's improving much more because a lot of more now foreign artists are coming either to visit or for a residency or as a tourist. But like something, some exchange is happening. So in that way, I believe like it took some time, but it's, in, it's going for the better. And that, like, these collaborations and exchanges are going to influence our art also. Because I think, like, in a way, our art was a bit isolated. And then, like, there is all these expectations that people are perceiving us through a prisma of war. And their, their perspective is that we are supposed to all make art about war. So, <laughs> in that way, I think, like, this is kind of decreasing. That there is not such a big pressure that we just have to talk about war.
1: Mm-hmm. What I have observed by going to a few art events here is definitely there is no talk about war. It's very diverse, quite an interesting way of presenting art, almost a bit wild and, you know, very free. It's quite amazing, but also I've noticed that quite a lot of public program sides of exhibitions are in English. Is that common nowadays? I
2: think that started happening maybe last two years. Before that, it wasn't that common, but I think that everybody are starting noticing there is more foreigners and they should make it open, like, for everybody. So I think it's like, and more people are feeling free to speak in English before everybody was shy. (laughs) Mm.
1: Coming back to you being an art student and having a background in arts and... The whole passion to run residency program, I'm sure, has sprung out from your own interest and love for arts and desire to create a vibrant scene in your city. And I know that as an artist, you work in a variety of mediums. You already mentioned drawing uh, and wall paintings. And then you also do large-scale installations and you make objects and you do live performances. So that's quite a pack. Uh, If you would have to summarize what is it that you do <laughs>
2: <laughs> well it, it is really hard to summarize it's, it's like um, a lot of the time some it varies from project to project but then um And then for the last six years, I was researching shamanism for my PhD exhibition. So I I was focusing on that. And then in a way, like it all came around, like uh, I was always interested in the different themes uh, about ancient cultures. And I was always finding inspiration since the beginning of my studies. Uh, And I wasn't really aware that there is a connection through all of it. Uh, so, like, in my latest research, that was, like, the, the major one, I found out, like, that, that everything that's related, it's true shamanism.
1: You have recently also completed a PhD in a topic, and you have researched shamanism in a greater length. What was the main thesis of that PhD?
2: Since it's practice-based PhD, I was supposed to focus on my own work and to make an exhibition, and then to write about my own work, and then to make references with what's relevant. Uh, so in that way, I was I was researching uh, shamanism. Uh, actually, I was trying to focus more on neo shamanism, which is a modern version of uh, of shamanism. Uh, it's kind of related to the New Age. Uh, because my idea was that I wasn't born in a tribe and then like there is a lot of influences that are coming to our tradition. But then the, the most of the things that I know about shamanism comes through new age concepts. So uh, and then I was researching other artists who, are rela- who have any relations to it. For example, Marina Abramovich's work. And I'm, I was always fascinated with her work. And I think there is like uh, similar themes that we're exploring about shamanism. And I know also that she was inspired with Mircea Liade books about shamanism and also with different cultural traditions, like from Australia or from Tibet. So, like, I was inspired with the different artists and I was researching them. I'm just holding yeah. a book of yours, your... Um pieces of
1: about 200 pages i assume <laughs> uh on uh, the topic of shamanism i can't understand the thing because it's all in Cyrillic oh, right. uh, but i'm looking at the images and i've just opened the page uh, with the work of mark rotko his blue panels Um, So how does his work connect to
2: the theme of shamanism? Um, It is actually a chapel that he made and my idea was, it's related to the idea that I wanted to make a gallery into a sacred space that looks like a temple. My idea was to present the whole space like an ambient installation where visitors could come in and contemplate on an art to spend time and to immerse yourself into this.
1: If you kind of trace back your interest in shamanism. Where and how did it start?
2: I mean, as I already said, that I have been always interested in different ancient cultures, and I was making research and drawings based, since my studies based on different ancient cultures. And then like during my PhD, I realized that's like uniting factor for the, that like all pre-religious stages of every society have like the, the same base. But besides that, I also have a personal reasons. My grandmother was influenced my life a lot, and uh, in many ways. And while I was growing up, I was watching her, looking at a. Um, I don't know how to explain I don't know if there is an English word for it, but like here, a tradition in Balkans is that when people are drinking Turkish coffee, they would, at the end, they would turn uh, upside down a coffee cup, and then like the coffee beans would create a pattern that some people have a talent to read, so it's kind of like a fortune telling, so my grandmother was really good at it, and she was also, like, she was really special, like, she has these talents that, like, she was uh, also, like, looking at the cards and, like, she was communicating with ghosts. So I grew up in this kind of environment where these kind of things are normal. And then at the time, I didn't consider it anything unusual. But then later on in life, I saw that people are having different opinions on that. So I was living with my grandmother for 15 years, and she really influenced me in a lot of ways. So I think like that's part of it, that I was also feeling so natural and attracted to these
1: kind of themes. <laughs> and you also told me that from very early on you remember that you were making objects, creating jewelry and uh, putting beads together, but then there is also a beautiful story of you drawing flowers at the back of the wooden spoons that your mum sometimes would hit you with which is just to to say uh, a normal thing especially back then if a child would be naughty you would get a bit of um, a wooden spoon spoon on your uh, bum (laughs) (laughs) so what was this um,
2: flower drawing all about Um, well um, in my mind like it was like a really early age but in my mind it was related like um, correcting my behavior my mom was using a little wooden spoon and then like I thought it will hurt less if I draw a little flowers recently I made a project that's called Love Hurts I was trying to recreate like to make a um, Several different types of spoon where I was drawing like this innocent and beautiful pictures of little lamps and rabbits and flowers So like to make a contrast with a use of the spoon that was made for the purpose of like correcting behavior
1: So in, in a way you from very early on very um, unconsciously especially back then you Considered that by uh, putting something beautiful has a healing effect. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And then I know from some previous conversations with you that you often contemplate the role of the artist in society and is that in some way connected to also your interest in shamanism and this idea of the healing powers of art?
2: Yeah, so I have connected this idea with my art research uh, and shamanism. So I believe that spirituality is really important for everybody and I believe that artists can bring transformation and healing processes to the society. There is a possibility for transformation to happen for the audience. They can question the usual models of how they look at the art and the symbols and the meanings of art. And then like they would get insights in contrast with everyday life and they can question the deeper meaning of life through these experiences. So in that way, I believe that art can make a transformation of a society, but it will all start on a personal level first. Like first, the artists have this transformation and then the audience can have it also. When I initially reflected
1: on this thought of yours, it kind of made me think that this idea that artists can remold in a way the world is quite similar to your practice because you often work with found objects and you find the new way to use them. So it's a similar concept of rethinking of something.
2: Yeah, Yeah, and kind of like recreating the new context and new world for, Mm -hmm. for the found objects.
1: I read recently Andrei Tarkovsky's writing from Sculpting Time, and he writes a lot about the role of the artist of society, and he wrote these reflections in association of the cinema becoming commercial and easily consumable thing, and he was reflecting on the fact that he believes that art cannot be that, and should not be that. And he has a beautiful quote where he says, I find it very hard to understand when artists talk about absolute creative freedom. I don't understand what is meant by that sort of freedom. For it seems to me that if you have chosen artistic work, you find yourself bound by chains of necessity. Fettered by the task you set yourself and by your own artistic vocation. Hmm. And then he says, given the competition with commercial cinema, a director has a particular responsibility towards his audience. If art can stimulate emotions and ideas, mass appeal cinema, because of its easy, irresistible effect, extinguishes all traces of thought and feeling. People case to feel any need for the beautiful or the spiritual and consume films like bottles of Coca-Cola. Hmm. How do you reflect on
2: freedom, then? Well, the f- freedom is something that's really important for me. As, as I already mentioned, Like we were living in a closed society and I couldn't travel as much. And I still feel imprisoned here because we cannot choose where we want to live. For example, people within European Union, they can live and move freely uh, to different countries and we are still limiting. We can visit uh, European Union countries for three months at a time, but then we have to spend three months back. So it's kind of like a little prison. Uh, And then like you can be just a tourist, so you cannot experience like something like to make collaboration or to work and just to decide to stay and live somewhere. So for in that sense, like I uh, I did one semester of master in Barcelona, 2011. And that was amazing experience that I could stay for a year it was a longer time that I could stay in a foreign country and then I, that really changed me in a lot of ways because like it opens my perspectives and like these kind of experiences are really changing in a lot of ways so I was really starting to question all things about freedom so for me that's like one of the most important questions that I'm trying to include in my work
1: mm. How do you include it in the work?
2: Well, not, like, directly, I think, but I think it is present in a lot of ways. I think all these spiritual themes are also a way of reflecting on that, because, as I mentioned, uh, at a time when everybody were expecting that we will just talk about war, because that was, like, our reality, I think for me it was kind of, like, uh, really the opposite I turned to different themes because that was my freedom, and then like I was finding myself like to express more through these kind of themes and explorations. So I think there is a relation between freedom and like my choices and themes that I'm choosing. And yes, is there a connection between freedom and the honesty of the work? What do you mean?
1: The fact that if you're free to express whatever you want to express. That you can actually really delve deep into the core from which you make. Yeah, maybe I wasn't... Yeah, probably there is like that. Talking about freedom, one of maybe the most liberating expression in art is performance. And I know that performance is something that you have always had interest in, but especially... Recently you are uh, more and more interested in uh, performance art and you are developing a couple of performance art pieces for the near future.
2: Yes, so I realized when I was preparing for this interview, I forgot to tell you that uh, I realized that I was always making some kind of spontaneous performances since I was a kid. and. Now I'm continuing doing the same because I don't like to schedule performance and it feels kind of like an artificial thing when you invite people and tell them come and watch me. I like it to be more organic and more spontaneous. I think it relates better with my work. Since I was uh, doing a lot of drawings and all, a lot of traditional media, like after I finished my studies, I was trying to explore all different kinds of media, and like from project to project, everything like it's expressed better in different media. For example, while I was preparing this PhD exhibition, I was making costumes and then I was taking photos of myself and then making drawings after them that was like sketches for the wall drawings. So I wasn't including these photos, but then through this process I started some performances spontaneously. So in that way, I think for some of the things that will include myself and then also like uh, my costumes, I think like it will express better in the performances.
1: What are the costumes that you are making?
2: They usually start from inspiration or finding in different traditions, but then I would reinvent them in a way. Or in some ways, like I would be inspired from something from the nature. For example, like that uh, headpiece that I have that looks like um, wings. I was inspired with when I was feeding up pigeons, they were usually coming over each other and their wings were overlapped. And I was taking photos of that and making drawings, so I was really inspired with this sculpture effect of these overlapped wings. So I made like a headdress with this wings, mm-hmm. Like, people cannot see what I'm showing with my hand.
1: <laughs> and uh, you're preparing for an exhibition in uh, Russia?
2: Uh, no, actually, in the United States next year. Uh, Rachel Klipa is a curator with a Serbian origin, but she's originally from the United States. Uh, she was here for a residency twice and she's doing research on a female Serbian artist. She's making an exhibition. It's going to be next year, March, April uh, in Pittsburgh. So I'm preparing one piece that's going to be a performance that will include... Well, maybe I shouldn't like, yet talk about it. Like I'm still working on it. But like just just to say like it's going to be like I'm going to be present in the gallery the whole time. I'm inviting people to, to come and talk to me and during that time I'm gonna use red wool. Uh, I was using wool before, so like I think symboli- symbolism of wool is really important. So, and red color is really important for my work. So I'm gonna use red wool and do a hand knitting while I'm talking to people. And then like at the end, it's going to be like a long red stretch that's going to go through a gallery and stay as a documentation.
1: Why is red color important in your work?
2: Uh, I was using it like, since I was a kid. Red is like the most important color for me forever. And then I was using it in several different projects. For example, I had a project where all the paintings were red. And then like I was researching like, you know, all different kinds of ancient cultures. Red is a primary color. That's the the base. Like, it starts from blood, and it means life, and it's like it has all these different meanings that are connected to life. And so, like, for me, it's personally, intuitively, I was chosen it, and then, like, after, it, it, it's usually how it goes, like, with everything. Like, I choose something intuitively, and then later on, it turns out, like, all these ancient cultures already using it, and then I just have an explanation. Yeah.
1: So it has no connection with socialism? Oh, so, no. oh Okay, because lots of artists use it in that mm, way as yeah. well. Yeah,
2: I mean, it could be interesting. That wasn't my intention, but maybe like it also comes true. <laughs> and what about you said that uh,
1: wool has a specific symbolism? What's the symbolism of wool?
2: It was also used in different cultures and then like as a natural material. It has like all these properties. That can be like used for like healing or like heating or whatever. A lot of artists were using wool, like for example, Boyce was also using wool. So I'm also making references through that.
1: Mm-hmm. And how long is this performance gonna last for?
2: Well, I'm still deciding because uh, the exhibition is going to be for a month and a half. So I'm not really sure if the performance should be lasting that long. I think it could be interesting. I have to calculate how much wool I need and all that. But I'm still working on that. Uh, I think it could be interesting maybe if it's like half of the time. And then later on it can be just a documentation of all this. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because then I can talk to people. There is like a Serbian community there. And I can talk to people like in Serbian and in English. And it can be interesting like questioning identity themes. It is interesting that we, um, the way we connect to each other, usually it takes time for people to build up relationships. And then I think it is interesting to question what you can give to someone in a way that you just meet them and you give your energy and your time, like to and you're open to receive people. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested in this kind of exchange.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe uh, rather than deciding ahead how long it's going to take, maybe you can open it up and see how much energy you discover you have or something like that.
2: Yeah, exactly. So, I'll see about it. I mean, like, it, it is really interesting. Like, I'm usually playing with wool and like doing this hand knitting thing and during the whole winter I'm sitting in a cafe when I meet with friends or with whoever like and I'm doing this and then I have better concentration talking when I'm doing something with my hands. So it's really interesting like when you do these kind of things in public.
1: (laughs) You have... Mentioned that you have been inspired by Marina Abramovic, and of course, she's from Serbia. She mm-hmm. studied in Belgrade and became uh, a well known international artist and a mega star. Uh, have you had a chance to meet her?
2: No, but that would be amazing. Well, she's not really coming often to Serbia, so I would have to go to States. <laughs> well, which you are. Yeah, I mean, like it would be amazing. I mean, she's such a big star that I feel like, what should I do? Just approach her like, oh, hi, I adore you. (laughs) Well,
1: take your wool.
0: Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for listening to Artemis Projects podcast. For more about our projects, head to artemisprojects.com.au.